I've always wondered what an experience it would be like to date a yandere. A word to describe, in most cases, a female who becomes excessively violent and possessive of a love interest. The average person will immediately think it is absolutely absurd to even think about deliberately exposing themselves to a mere psychopath. You wouldn't be wrong. I guess I was always insecure of my past partner's infidelity that left me with scars. I've been single for as long as I can remember. I knew I was playing with fire when I started my search for a yandere. It all started when I was walking to my school's library to catch up on some work that was long overdue. In my sleepy days, I pulled open the doors to the quiet abyss of a variety of books. Ensuring my presence was at the least bit noticeable, I tugged on the door softly, but I felt a force in the opposite direction. Oh, hey, sorry. A girl from my English class murmured. All good, I didn't know you were there. During our brief exchange of apologies, I noticed that she was a bit jumpy and nervous. I brushed it off as her being antsy due to the overload of work we were assigned before the big exam. Plopping down my abundance of books I needed for a long, boring study session, I let out a sigh, putting in my headphones for motivation. I was bothered by the sudden movements from my peripheral vision. In turn, I shot glances over to the distraction. It was her. The girl I had ran into while entering the library. She was hiding behind bookcases, acting as though she was invisible from the barrier. Her piercing hazel eye scanned me with every detail. I was startled at first, but the feeling of curiosity washed over me as I wanted to know why her fixed gaze was on me. Picking up my books and packing my things, I noticed she had retreated to the maze of bookshelves. I knew what she was doing. This was a game. Not making it apparent that that was up for a foolish hunt, I peered into the narrow paths of the tall, dim-lit bookcases. I could see glimpses of her dark red skirt flutter with every step she made. I made sure to stay behind so that I could make this game more intriguing. I got bored quickly and decided to talk to her, but only to my dismay, she was nowhere to be seen. She's quick, or maybe I'm just slow, I said to myself. With the time passing, the next class was peaking at starting time. I rushed through the halls, making it a mission to appear at class on time. Made it. Should have counted that as a record, I said, exaggerating the bullets of sweat traveling down my face. Alright class, you know what you have to do today. Pair up with your groups and continue your projects. I'll be here if anyone needs assistance. My lazy, yet laid-back teacher exclaimed. Just when I got into the unbreakable work momentum, I noticed a familiar yet distinctive figure around the room. You, I whispered to myself, while verifying that she didn't have this class at this specific time. Hey Marcus, you good over there bud? My friend John asked me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm great. Just thinking, I said in return. 
staring at our school's worst delinquent, I see. You know, she pretty much always skips all of her classes, right? I mean, not judging if you're interested in those types. I cut John off. No, no. Why is she in here? I exclaimed. Jeez, dude. Didn't think you were that interested, John said. No, seriously, I said back. Well, if you must know, teachers often catch her roaming in the hallways during class. To avoid any disturbance, her teachers send her to some random class next door until they sort out what they do next. Other times, teachers would just let her in whenever, John explained. Why are they so lean with her? Don't they? I was cut off by Mrs. Valentine. Just to let you guys know, your grade won't make itself. I advise you to resume working until class is over, Mrs. Valentine said in a sly yet condescending tone. Yeah, whatever, John remarked under his breath. Twenty minutes later, the school was relieved by the bell for dismissal. Ready to go home after an uneventful and boring day, I shoved my books in my bag. Slamming my locker door, I was surprised to see Layla on the other side awaiting my reaction. I jumped at the sudden sight of her, but was composed. Layla has been my best friend for years, and over time, I developed a slight crush on her. Hey, Marky, you want to hit the last party tonight? Layla said. Don't call me that, and no, I have some things to catch up on, I said. Come on, what's a downer attitude? Come on, walk with me, she said. Nothing, sorry. I guess I'm still caught up on the... I was cut off by Layla. That girl that keeps shooting daggers at you? Yeah, she's a real stalker, don't you think? She finished my sentence for me. What? Wait. How did you know? I said. Because I've been watching you guys. You know, she seems into you, she said. Creepy much? And I said. No, I'm kidding. She continued with a seemingly forced laugh. At that point, I've not only gotten subtle hints of what I was looking for, but who I was involved with. So, let the chase begin. After divorcing my husband, I knew being a single mother would be no easy feat, but I overestimated myself as well. My daughter is my world, but God, she can be a terror. I couldn't handle any more of the Monday, Friday morning tantrums, and I couldn't help but feel guilty when I'd be leaving her at school an hour after dismissal because, well, I couldn't get off of work on time. So when I got the letter in the mail, I had to see if it was something worth trying. I found it in my mailbox on a Friday afternoon on my way home from work. It had already been a bad day, but if my daughter gave me a problem, I would have snapped. Upon opening the mailbox, I noticed an envelope that was addressed to me. The shipping address, a company that I can no longer publicly name due to legal reasons. I tore the letter open as I stepped inside, tossing my keys onto the kitchen counter. Unfolding the letter, I began to read it. Greetings, Skender household. 
We at Redacted strive to push the boundaries of technology as our society makes way towards a bright future. And families like yours are a priority. I raised a brow as I continued to read. That's why you've been randomly selected to be given the chance to receive an early prototype of Redacted, newest invitation, the Carabot. Carabot is a groundbreaking new technology in robotics, a handy robot that will assist you in all of your needs. I let out a slight scoff as I read, feeling like I was getting scammed, including but not limited to household cleaning, food stocking, and child care. Then, my attention was really grabbed. A robot that could take care of my child for me. I was ready to hand over a suitcase of cash. After skimming through the rest of the letter, I had ended with a phone number to call if I was interested in the offer. Mommy, and my daughter exclaimed as she started downstairs. Hi, baby. I gushed as she wrapped her arms around my legs. I smiled weakly as I caressed the top of her head with my thumb. I couldn't help but feel guilty, acting like she was such a burden. But I wanted to be able to admit that it wasn't easy, and I shouldn't have felt so guilty for considering the offer. So while my daughter was playing upstairs, I picked up the phone and dialed the number. I thought to myself, what the heck am I doing? As the phone rang, he reached, redacted. I'm Ramona, how can I help you? Hi, I uh, got a letter in the mail about an offer about the robot. Oh, I'll care about Congrats on your selection. Uh, thanks. Are you calling to accept the offer? My lips parted to speak, but my throat nodded blocking the words. Ma'am, are you there? Y yes sorry. Are you accepting the offer? Yes. Perfect. I'll just be needing to ask you a few questions. About what? Just about your residence. We collect statistics about the kinds of households that receive our products. If you don't want to participate, you can reject. No, no, it's fine. Alrighty. How many people currently live in your household? Two. What's your average yearly income? 40,000, I think. Do you own any other household items produced by Redacted? Uh, no, I don't think so. Alright. Her keyboard clicked over the phone. She continued on asking me for my state, address, zip code, etc. Oh, we're almost done. All I need is your authentication code. Sorry? It's a series of numbers at the bottom of the letter. I looked at the paper, my eye scanning it. When I spotted the numbers, I recited them to her. Perfect, we're done. So, what now? In the next few weeks, you should receive your care bot. Make sure to be home at the time of delivery. You'll need to sign for it. Got it. Do you have any other questions? I had a million questions. No, thank you. Of course, thank you for helping, Redacted. Advance into tech field future. Have a nice day. Oh, thank you too. I put the phone down and sighed deeply, 
staring down at the letter. Mommy, I'm hungry, my daughter cried as she waddled into the room. Yeah, baby, I know, mommy was busy. I kissed the top of her head as I walked over to the fridge, pulling out a package of frozen chicken nuggets. Tossing them into the hot oven, I stood as I drowned in my own thoughts. I thought about what this robot would be like. Would it have a personality? How capable really is it? Is it even real? Did I get scammed? So many questions that would be answered until it arrived. Two weeks later, my doorbell rang. When I opened the door, I was stunned to see a crate towering over me, a fragile sticker on it. A mailman peeked his head around it. Delivery for Rosemary? Uh, yes. Sign here. He handed me a pad of paper that I signed like a doctor. Uh, should I leave it here? Actually, you could move it to the garage. He nodded, wheeling it over. Thank you. I waved as he walked off with the dolly. After closing the garage door, I turned to the crate and stared at it. It was so much bigger than me. I wondered if the robot hick would be that tall. Uh, the only thing left was to find out, so I searched around the garage, blithering through the tools my husband left behind. I pulled out the crowbar and began prying the front of the crate open. With each nail pulled, and my heart pounded harder and harder. When I was done, I carefully dropped the piece of wood on the ground, packaging peanuts pouring out. As they pulled around my feet, I looked up and into the box, finally seeing it. It stood still, its back straight, its skin was smooth. Personal and silver, its shape, the one of a woman. Its eyes appeared to be deactivated lights, ones that seemingly would power on when it was charged. Feeling oddly hesitant, I stepped closer to it. The garage light reflected off of its polished body as I stood eye to eye with it. My arms trembled as I weakly attempted to lift it, almost breaking my back in the process. With my arms around its back, I suddenly felt a piece of paper. Grabbing aimlessly, I ripped off a taped pamphlet. Flipping through it, I quickly read the directions on how to turn it on. It said the charger was stored in its back, and it would turn itself on. Reaching behind it again, I removed the panel and pulled out a charger. It just reached the outlet, the cord stretching against the edge of the box. Then, a red light began to fade in and out on its chest. I assumed that meant its battery was low. The pamphlet said it needed at least two to three hours to charge, so I went about my day and left it alone. Around dinner time, I was placing a plate in front of my daughter as I noticed her eyes locked on something. Honey, you okay? Who's that? I looked over, holding in a gasp as I saw it standing in the doorway. Its glowing white eyes turned to us as we stared back at it 
Then, it stiffly walked towards us. Hello, I'm Karabot, your personal household assistant. What is your name? It looked at me, waiting for my answer as I stood in silence. Uh, Rosemary. Nice to meet you, Rosemary. Hearing it repeat my name in its monotone voice sent a slight chill down my spine. Oh, what's your name? It turned to my daughter. Sarah, she said with a smile. Hello, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I smiled weakly as I saw her bond with it. Do you have a name? She asked. I do not. Would you like to give me one? She turned to me, waiting for me to provide one. You can name it Kitty, she exclaimed. What a great name. I am now Kitty. I chuckled as I watched her talk to it. I assumed it would terrify her. Would you like to sit? I awkwardly offered. If you would like me to. I realized that it had no self-desires, so I'd have to order it too. Sit with me, Kitty. Okay, Sarah. It walked over to the seat, and the motor's audible as it sat. What are you reading? It tilted its head. Chicken nuggets. They're my favorite. Chicken nuggets. Sarah's favorite food. While it kept her busy, I decided to get some errands done around the house. When she was done eating, I walked back into the kitchen. As my hand reached for the plate, its hand was suddenly on it first. I have it covered, I said, lifting the crumb-covered plate. Oh, uh, thank you. It stiffly made its way toward the sink and even managed to turn on the water on its own. It wasn't a flawless invention, but for an early prototype, it was impressive. As it scribbled on the dish, I realized how much time I had on my hands. It felt abnormal. With my newfound time, I spent the day leisuring as Kitty cleaned up downstairs. A few hours later, it was Sarah's bedtime. Sarah, honey, bedtime. Put your toys away. As I stepped inside her room, I slightly jolted as I saw her kneeled on the ground, Kitty next to her. I still wasn't used to seeing it. What are you guys doing? I'm showing Kitty my dolls. Oh, really? What do you think, Kitty? Children's entertainment is very interesting. Glad you think so. Alright, time for bed. Chop chop. I clapped as I turned off the light. She hopped into bed and waited for me to tuck her in. Before I could walk over to her, it stepped in front of me and pulled the blanket over her. I stood stunned as Sarah giggled. Uh, good night, Sarah. Good night, Kitty. I followed it with my open gaze as it walked off. Turning my back to my daughter, I kissed her forehead. Good night, baby. Good night, mommy. After closing the door, I locked it up and jumped at the sight of it standing in the hall. Sorry for frightening you. It's fine. Would you like me to take care of anything? No. I slipped past it and made my way toward my bathroom. I struggled to fall asleep that night.
I imagined it hanging over me with a butcher's knife. The next morning, I woke up the pleasant smell of something cooking. It smelled like waffles or pancakes. My curiosity peaked. I walked downstairs as the smell grew stronger. As I peeked inside the kitchen, I saw Kitty flipping pancakes at the stove and Sarah at the table. Good morning, I said as I stepped inside. Good morning, Rosemary. It turned to me, still flipping the pancakes. She ran over to hug me, but my eyes were locked on it. Is Kitty making you breakfast? She's making me pancakes. Chocolate chip pancakes, to be exact. That's nice. And the fact that she called it she weirdly unnerved me. I guess it does look like a woman, but it's not. I slowly sat down as I watched it sprinkle chocolate chips into the pan. The smell of melted chocolate filling the room. When they were finished, it flipped them over on the plate and walked over to her. Thank you, Kitty. You're welcome. As I watched it walk back toward the pan and begin washing it. How is it? She flashed a thousand thumbs up as he chewed. Good. I'm glad. Strangely enough, I felt weird to not be doing anything. I accepted the offer to have a helping hand around the house, not another parent. She already had her father for that, but... And at the same time, she didn't, I guess. Sarah, it suddenly said aloud. What about her? Are you her biological mother? I nodded. What was that like? I'm curious to learn about the human experience. Well, with an epidural, it wasn't as painful as it normally would be. But... I was still practically squeezing a watermelon through a straw. If it's so painful, why did you do it? Because. I don't know why. I stumbled on my answer. I just... I just never thought about why. I didn't need a why. Because I was ready to make my life about her. Ah, I see. Did you enjoy it? motherhood. I wouldn't say it's easy, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. If you enjoyed, why did you accept me into your home? Because she deserves better to see me struggle. You're a good mother. I smiled weakly, looking away. I hope so. I'd like to be your mother someday. Maybe they'll make a kid bot or something. I chuckled. Ha, huh, maybe. As we continued to scrub the dishes, I thought about its question about my birth. I realized my answer only focused on the pain, and I weirdly felt guilty about that. It wasn't so bad. Her birth, I mean. Seeing her was worth it. I remember holding her for the first time. My ex-husband next to me. And all I could think was, you're the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I smiled as I stared off, remembering her tiny face and tiny fingers that could wrap around mine. Ex-husband? My head shot up at the question, my face falling. Uh, 
Yeah. Does love expire? Sometimes, yeah. But not love for your child, right? No, that's unconditional. Infinite. I see. As I finished cleaning the dishes, I set it aside on the drying rack and cleaned off my hands. I have some errands to run. Will you be okay handling the house on your own? Yes, that's what I'm built for. Right. I walked toward the upstairs steps after slipping my shoes on. Sarah, mommy's running out. I'll be home soon. Okay. Truthfully, I felt anxious about leaving her home alone with it, but it seemed harmless. All it really knew how to do was cook and clean, so I brushed the anxiety away and got my errands done. When I got back home, I noticed Sarah sitting on the table as Kitty placed a band-aid on her knee. Hey baby, are you okay? Yeah, I fell off my scooter. Ah, hon. But Kitty patched me up. I glanced over as it pressed down on the adhesive. All done. Thank you, Kitty. She sprang up and rang back outside. Then, it began following behind her. I chilled behind them, watching her hop back on the scooter. Watching from the front door, it watched as she rode back and forth down the sidewalk. The wheels light up, too, I heard her excitedly exclaim. Very cool. I smiled weakly and shut the door. I felt stupid for even feeling it, but I was jealous of the robot. I'm glad she likes it, but I felt like she liked it more than me. Dealing with my own stuff and trying to be good enough for her was getting harder to do simultaneously. On Monday, I groggily woke up, preparing for a fight to get her to school. As I wiped my eyes, I dragged my feet toward her bedroom. Sarah, honey, it's time for school. I opened the door, and to my surprise, her bed was empty. I glanced around the empty room, feeling puzzled. Sarah, I called out as I walked down the hall. I looked down the stairs and Sarah at the bottom as Kitty tied her shoes. Hey, you woke up early? Yeah, Kitty made me breakfast again. Oh, that's nice. Okay, let's go, it said. It's fine. I can take her. Get some extra sleep. I can transport her to school. Its persistence was starting to get on my nerves. I jolted down the steps and approached it, our eyes meeting. I can take my daughter to school. It stood silently for a moment. Understood. Would you like me to do anything around the house? No, it's fine. Let's go, honey. I quickly led her out of the house and into the car. As she got in the back seat, I noticed a frown on her face in the rear view mirror. What's wrong, hun? I wanted Kitty to take me. But mommy always takes you to school. She looked away, crossing her arms. I quickly sighed before starting the car. On the way to school, she stayed dead silent. As I pulled up to the school, I turned to her. Have a good day. I love you. Bye.
I raised my brows as she stumped out of the car. Dang, I wasn't expecting the teenage Angus to start soon. After spending a stressful day at work, I sped back to the school to make sure I picked her up on time, but as usual, I was late. When she got back in the car, she still had that scrunched look on her face. Hey, hun, how's your day? You're late. I know, I'm sorry. I got stuck at work. You always do. Yeah, well, adult stuff is a lot. Katie doesn't have adult stuff. I pursed my lips as I held myself back from screaming. That's because Kitty is a robot. She crossed her arms again, turning away from me. I rolled my eyes and started the car. Once again, the ride was silent. When we stepped inside, I noticed Kitty standing in the kitchen, scrubbing a counter. She turned to us, walking over. Hello, welcome home. Hi. Kitty, she exclaimed, running over to hug her. How's your day at school? Good. I'm glad. Alright, honey. Go do some homework. I patted her backpack as she ran upstairs. As I set my keys down, it turned to me. Rosemary, I was meaning to inform you that I disposed of your wedding ring. For a moment, I couldn't tell if I had processed the words correctly. I slowly turned to it. My brows frowned. I'm... I'm sorry, what? I disposed of your wedding ring. I figured it wouldn't be of any use anymore and it was cluttering the household. My eyes were wide and my jaw dropped. What? Why? I said don't do anything while I was gone. I'm a household robot and it's my job. Yeah, well, it's your job to cook and clean, not throw away my personal belongings. That was my wedding ring. But you said the love expired, right? I scoffed as I looked away, holding back tears. It's a lot more complicated than that. What is complicated about it? Help me understand. My blood boiled with every word it said. I couldn't tell if it was actually that stupid or if I was just pushing my buttons. Before I exploded, I stormed off with my fist balled. I slammed the door behind me and pressed my back against it, taking in slow breaths. I quickly wiped away the flowing tears as I tried to keep myself together. I couldn't believe it threw out my wedding ring. It felt personal. Robots aren't supposed to have feelings, but it felt like it was getting just as jealous as I was. Then I spotted the letter that I left on my bedside table. Acting on impulse, I rushed over to it and began dialing the number. I anxiously chewed on my lip as it rang. Hi, you've reached Redacted. This is Ramona. How can I help you? Hi, I called a few weeks ago about the Carebot offer. What's your name? Rosemary. Rosemary Skinder. One second. I listened to her keyboard click. As I waited. Ah, yes. Found you. It says your carebot was delivered a few days ago. Did it not arrive? No, no. It did. Oh, uh, perfect. Are you calling to report a malfunction? Uh, I'm actually calling to return it. 
Is that possible? I'm sorry, but there is no return policy in our fine print. But if something is wrong with your unit, you can report it to the development team. That's alright. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. I slammed the phone down and brushed my hair back. Rosemary. I yelped and whipped around, realizing it was standing in the doorway. Yes. Are you feeling alright? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I would like to be left alone right now, please. Understood. As she closed the door behind her, panic set in. If she heard that conversation, I was doomed. That night, I could barely sleep, and when I did, I kept one eye open. Then, the next morning, as I was getting Sarah ready for school, the doorbell rang. Could you finish tying her shoes? I hesitantly asked Kitty. Yes, of course. When I opened the door, there was a man on my front porch. Hi, what can I help you with? Hi, I'm with Child Protective Services. I received an anonymous report about child negligence. Can I ask you a few questions? My soul slipped out of my body as he spoke. My vocal cords nodded. Uh, yes, come in. My heart pounded against my chest as he stepped inside, scanning my house with a sharp gaze. I was just taking her to school. He turned to Kitty, tilting his head. This a carebot? Yeah, I just got it. Huh, I've seen a few of these. Hello. It suddenly greeted. He chuckled with a smirk, then turned to Sarah. He crouched down to reach her level, smiling softly. Hi, sweetie. Hi. Can I ask you a few questions? It won't take long. I'll be late for school. Don't worry, I'll be your excuse. Okay. He stood up and turned to me. I'm gonna take her to another room for some questions. Is that alright? Yeah, that's fine. Alright, let's go. He led her into the kitchen, shutting the door behind them. I dropped my head into my hands, a migraine forming. Who the heck would have reported me? Then it hit me how stupid of a question that was. I slowly turned to Kitty, who stood aimlessly. I was ready to rip its eyes apart and have its head on a stick. I paced back and forth about what questions he'd be asking her and what her answers would be. This month has been so stressful, I never wanted her to feel neglected. Then my head whipped around the door as it opened. She rang back to me, wrapping her arms around my legs. Hi baby. Alright, now may I speak to you. I looked up, thinking he was speaking to me. Until I realized, he had turned to Kitty. You're going to question it. You'd be surprised how many times the carebot has been the one to crack a case. They've recorded information. Wow. Okay. I crossed my arms, holding my body back from trembling. Come with me. I watched as I walked into the kitchen, praying he wouldn't believe any of the crap that she was going to spew. After a few agonizing minutes, they walked back out. 
I glared at it as it stood. Now you. I sighed deeply and followed him into the kitchen. My heart was pumping at lightning speed as I sat down. He sat across from me, a notepad in hand. Axe away. So, I'll start off with your daughter. She described no experience of negligence or abuse. I internally sighed deeply. But she mentioned how much this past month has been for you. She said she often found you in distress or in a bad mood. She cited your divorce as a reason. I swallowed roughly as I turned away. It's... It's been a rough month, that's all. When did you and your ex-husband divorce? We, uh, actually haven't signed the papers yet. Sometime soon, though. I crossed my arms as he jotted down on the notepad. Was it an abusive relationship? Did he ever hurt you or your daughter? No, it just wasn't working anymore. Alright, so I also interviewed your care bot. Kitty, was it? I nodded. Does mental illness run in your family? Excuse me? My brows furrowed. Kitty detailed the conversation where you confided in her with the information that you feel you are going insane and that being a single mother is too much for you. Have any family memories of yours experienced things such as depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder? No, no, you've You've got it all wrong. It was just a joke. It didn't understand what I meant. Alright, calm down. You're saying she misinterpreted it? Yes. Okay. I looked away, trying to stop myself from hyperventilating. I worried if he wasn't believing me. She also detailed an afternoon where Sarah was injured and you weren't home to be around. She explained that her prototype version wasn't programmed for medical care, so she had to do the best she could. My jaw dropped. My jaw continued to drop as my eyes widened. It painted me as such a villain. Stop saying she. It's not a freaking robot, I exploded. Mr. Skender, do you need a minute? My jaw trembled as my eyes started around. I was borderline spiraling. I'm fine. I apologize. That's alright. I know how stressful this can be. I just want to get to the bottom of this. I took a deep breath and composed myself. That did happen, but not the way it's saying. She scraped her knee while riding her scooter. It happens. Kids scrape their knee. Kitty put a band-aid on her, and she ran back out like nothing happened. Alright, and why weren't you home? I was running errands. He continued to jot things down. I attempted to peek at what he was writing, but I couldn't. And Kitty said that in the fine print of her, its pamphlet, it says that Leaving the prototype version alone with the child for a prolonged amount of time is not recommended because it's not fully developed. It didn't mention that to me when I left. It was fine watching over her. So, you didn't read the fine print? Who reads the fine print? 
I rubbed my temples as nausea churned in my stomach. As he finished writing, he flipped the notepad shut. Alright, I think we're done here. You can't let it do this to me. I swear to god, it's out to get me. The robot. The robot is out to get you? Yes. As the words left my mouth, I realized how crazy I sounded. That definitely didn't help my case. Look, to me, you just seem like a stressed mom. But I'm going to have to schedule a follow-up check. What? Why? It's just protocol, ma'am. If you're not guilty of anything, it won't be a problem. I understand. Thank you for your cooperation. I followed him back out, noticing Kitty and Sarah sitting on the steps. Hope I didn't take too much of your time. Have a good day. He waved to everybody. I shut the door behind him and leaned against it with my arms crossed. I stared down at my feet as I felt my world crashing down. I already lost my husband. If I lost her too, I didn't know what I'd do. Can I go to school now? Breaking out of my train of thought, I looked up at her. Yeah, come on. As we stepped out the door, I quickly glared at Kitty. They stayed silent as I stared back. After dropping her off at school, I paused for a moment, keeping my car parked. I took a deep breath as my grip on the steering wheel tightened. I was feeling so much at once, but one thing I knew for sure, it needed to go. So as I drove home, I attempted to devise a plan. As intelligent as it was, it was still a robot. It's slow and defenseless. It'd be easy to take out. I then decided the time to do it was now while Sarah was still in school. I'd just tell her Kitty was defective and it had to go back to the factory. She'd shed a few tears, but would forget quickly. If I got her something else to focus on, like a pet. As I pulled into the driveway, I raised my chin and prepared my act. Upon stepping inside, I heard the sink running. With its attention held, I quickly made my way toward the garage. Rosemary, are you home? I froze where I stood, winting my face as she spoke. Uh, yeah, one second. I continued into the garage, my eyes starting around. Then the crowbar that I used to take apart the crate caught my eye. And suddenly, a light bulb lit up above my head. Hey, Kitty. Yes? Could you help me take apart the crate you came in so I can throw it out? Coming. I lifted the crowbar as I waited for it to walk in. I smiled at it as it stepped through the door. How can I help? I chewed inside of my cheek for a moment. Start by picking up those packing peanuts. Will do. I kept my eye on it as it walked over, slowly kneeling down. One by one. It picked up the packing peanuts, leaving itself vulnerable. Slowly creeping up behind it, I lifted the crowbar. I pressed my lips, tightening my grip, and swung down on its head. The metals clanked against each other, 
echoing throughout the garage as it collapsed on the ground. Its material was tough. Only a dent was left in on its skull. So I swung down again, and again, and again. I continued to bulge on it until I saw wires. With my chest pumping, I dropped the crowbar. Sparks flew from the crater in its head as I dragged it back into the crate. After laying it in the box, I lifted the cover back on and nailed it shut. Wiping the sweat off my brow, I left the garage and sank into the living room couch. It was finally gone. Its twisted mission to get rid of me failed. With a little time to rest, I quickly got ready for work and got there before I was late. Throughout the day, I prepared for how upset Sarah was going to be. It felt like she already had blamed me for so much stuff that was out of my control. I hoped she wouldn't put this on my back too. Making it even worse, I ended up leaving work later than usual. I sped as safely as possible towards the school, knowing that me being late and Kitty being gone was going to require a new toy as an apology. But when I pulled up, she wasn't there. I had waited for a few more minutes, tapping my finger on the steering wheel, but she never came out. I remembered that if she stayed out for too long, they'd take her in for the attendant's office. But when I stepped inside, she wasn't there either. Hi, what can I help you with? Hi, yes, um, is Sarah Skinder still in class? I came to pick her up and she's not here. The woman flipped through pages, scanning them. She was dismissed about half an hour ago. My stomach sank as she said it. What to, to who? A carebot registered under your name. Oh my god. I flew out the door and started my car with shaking hands. Speeding around the corners, I left skid marks all the way home. I halted my car in the curb of my house, then dashed toward the front door. Sarah? I cried as I threw open the door. My eyes started around the house, looking for any sign of her. Sarah, honey, are you there? I barged through the garage, my face crumbling as I saw the open crate. How could this still be functioning? Suddenly, I heard a thump above me. Running out of the garage, I flew upstairs and threw open each door. Sarah, baby, where are you? Then, as I threw open the bedroom door, my expression twisted in horror. Kitty was laying on the bed, wires draped from its head. Its back was against the bed frame, its legs spread open with a jagged hole in its crotch. Suddenly, it began letting out glitching, monotone screams as blood splittered from the hole. I watched, frozen in terror as my white sheets turned crimson. Then, out of the hole came a blood-stained hand, a hand I didn't want to recognize. I dropped to my knees as tears streamed down my face, watching as her arm snapped in half on the way out, the bone sticking out of meaty flesh. Her back then came out first, 
her spine folding until blood splattered and soaked through her clothes. Then, her blood-coated legs began to come out, the jagged edges of the hole scraping down them and spilling more blood. And finally, her head popped out, with her dislocated jaw hanging from meaty strings and a dent that caved in her skull. It screams as slow to a stop as my daughter's contorted, mutilated body fully released onto the bed, not a single limb in the right place. Then, it reached down and lifted her up, blood pouring down its arms. It cradled her as it looked down into her fearful eyes that were locked open, even in death. You are the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I've come to learn that there are certain feelings that come along with purchasing a new house. These feelings can include extreme happiness, giddiness, and excitement as a new homeowner starts to think of all the things that can be done with the home. Perhaps they will think of raising a family or thinking about a prospect, about being able to have more people over the host's parties, or even just enjoying luxurious space that they can now call a home. They might even feel a bit of pride as becoming a homeowner is immediately an accomplishment and a milestone that people yarn to achieve. As a freshman in college and looking at the new house in front of me, I thought none of these things. I cannot exactly think of a word to describe the feeling that looking at the new house gave me, except perhaps disorienting. It looked fairly similar to those around it, small, modest, maybe a bit run down. However, it wasn't any of these things that made me feel disoriented. No, it was the fact that the house seemed to have a personality. It had qualities that I couldn't quite explain. Nevertheless, a new house was a house, and it was all I could afford. It had actually been my grandfather's, which he left me to when he passed away a few years back. I didn't want to find a roommate to split the cost of an apartment. It was a bit out of the city, but the commute was fine, and was much cheaper than an alternative. That's how I ended up standing in front of the house moving boxes still in my car, and with me, standing on the front step, the key clutched in my hand as I stared up at the house in front of me, apprehension and nervousness starting to seep in all the longer I looked at it. I don't know what was wrong with me. Uh, I was probably being stupid, but the house just had a feeling of dread, of negative emotions around it, like an aura, if you will. You're being stupid. Grandpa didn't have any issues with the house, and neither will you, I told myself. I was immersed in my own thoughts, trying to convince myself that I was being utterly ridiculous. Hey! A voice rang out behind me. I... I startled, nearly jumped out of my skin as I whipped around to find the source of the voice. I half expected some crazy old man with a cane to warn me the house was haunted, or maybe a crackhead. In Portland, you'll never be sure. To my immense relief, however, I saw it was neither of these things. 
it was a boy who looked to be around my age, standing on the sidewalk. He was tall, a bit taller than me, with messy dark hair and dark blue eyes. Looking at him, I couldn't decide if his hair was really dark brown or just black. He looked sheepish as I turned around. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. You just moved in, right? He said, motioning the house behind me. My heartbeat was still pounding, but I managed to swallow a nod. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I just got here. I've yet to move in yet. The boxes are still in my car, I stammered. The boy looked at the car before looking back at me with a small smile. Ah, uh, well, I see. Let me help. It'll go faster, he said, starting to move up the path that led to my house. I was slightly taken aback, but managed to compose myself as he approached. On one hand, I wasn't crazy about the idea of a complete stranger helping me move into my house, but on the other half, he seemed harmless. And it was going to take me an entirety to move everything in by myself. That's really kind. You don't have to do that, though. Most of the boxes are really heavy, I said as I looked at him. I'm sure I can handle it. It's what neighbors are here for, right? He said, with another small smile. Confusion crossed briefly across my face as I looked at him. You're my neighbor? I asked, glancing behind me at the neighboring houses to mine. Yep, that one right there, he said, pointing to a house on the right side of mine. It looked a lot more loved and cared for than mine. I turned back to him slightly more at ease knowing that he was my neighbor and that he didn't look like a crackhead. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, if you seriously don't mind, I'd appreciate the help, I said, giving him a small smile of my own, something inside of me, telling me to trust him. The boy beamed. I unlocked the car and popped the trunk, walking alongside the boy as we walked over. I really appreciate this. I'm Ethan, by the way, I said only on my hand. Pleasure to meet you, Ethan. I'm Avery. We spent the next little while moving boxes into the house, chatting and making small talk while doing so. Talking to Avery distracted me temporarily from the fact that as soon as I stepped inside the house, the feeling I got when looking at it from the outside was amplified by about a hundred. It was really quite cold. With a sickening sense of unease to match the musty kind of character that the interior had. Trying to shake it off, I focused on unloading the boxes. After the last box had been put in the house, I brushed my hands off on my pants and looked around, smiling slightly at Avery, who had put the final box on the kitchen counter. Hey, I can't thank you enough for helping me out, I said, to which Avery gave me a small shrug. It was really no problem. If you ever need anything, you know where to find me, he said, returning my smile before looking around at the houses. No one has lived in this house for a while, but it's sturdy and a great house. In need of a few touch-ups, but otherwise really great. Let me know if you need any help with anything, he said, before looking back at me. I'll keep it in mind. The house isn't haunted or anything, is it? I said, teasing in my voice. I expected Avery to laugh, or even smile, but 
To my surprise, he looked a bit uncomfortable. Well, that's something I wanted to mention. He started, pushing a hand through his hair. Looking at my expression, he hastily rushed to speak again. It's not haunted, it's just... There's one thing you should know. This is an old house and it has some pretty weird history, he said, not quite meeting my eyes. At night, you might find a yellow door in different spots of the house. You can't open it under any circumstances. Don't touch it. Don't interact with it. I can't tell you why, but please trust me that it's in your best interest. Avery said, finally looking up at me. Maybe he was a crackhead after all. A yellow door? That only showed up at night? Please. I might be skeptical when it came to the paranormal stuff, and but this was a whole new level. Maybe this was some sort of hazing that the neighbors did for new homeowners in the area. Um, okay. If I'll see one, I'll leave it alone, I said, playing along and giving a small smile. Ivory didn't return it. Instead, looking relieved. Awesome. Okay, well, as long as you follow that rule, you should be all set. I actually have to run to class, but here's my number, in case you need anything. He said, pulling a piece of paper and a pen from his pocket and scribbling down a number before setting it on a counter. I nodded, giving him a tight smile and waving as he left the house. As soon as he was gone, I let out a breath, the creeping feeling of an ease coming back as I was left alone in the house. I spent the rest of the day unpacking and making the house feel a bit more like home. The day went by, spent unpacking and debating whether or not to make every a contact on my phone. Part of me wanted to, grateful that he helped me move the boxes, but on the other hand, I was a bit annoyed at his take on hazing, talking nonsense about the yellow door. I tried not to think about it. Instead, I called my parents to let them know I was getting settled and started to get myself ready for bed. I made a mental note to replace some of the furniture to make the house a little more up to date as I settled into the bed, checking to see what classes I had next week before finally putting my phone down and dozing off. As much as I hated to admit it, the last thing I thought before drifting off to sleep was what Avery had said about the yellow door. The next few weeks went by without anything exciting happening. Now, although college is a lot harder than people make it out to be, my classes were changing every day and my schedule was hectic. I was stressed since in order to maintain my scholarship, I had to have perfect grades in all of my classes. I tried not to show it, but being socially active and going out but I was constantly exhausted, and the house wasn't helping. The house was old, I would give it that, but it was difficult to fall asleep, since every time I tried to, the house decided it was the perfect time to start creaking and making general old house sounds. I didn't think about the yellow door anymore, chalking it up to nonsense, especially since Avery had never mentioned it again. Avery, as it turned out, was actually in a few of my classes, and I saw him regularly. It was actually really fun to be around, and 
I made quick friends with them, often getting coffee and toast together before our morning classes. Far away from my parents, I let myself notice the little things about him, like how his mouth twisted to the side when he was deciding to laugh about something, or how he taped his fingers against the surface when he was thinking. Sometimes, he would be waiting on the sidewalk in the mornings, coffee already in hand for me. When we hung out after school, sometimes they would go to my house. He never invited me to his. I also made a small group of friends with some people in my anomaly class, which actually counted towards my science credit, since it was natural sciences. Two of the people in our group were siblings, Ava and Liam, who had lived in Portland all their life and showed me the best places to go for coffee and pizza, the necessities. There was also Lucas, who was kind of loud and thought of himself as a great physical comedian, which really only involved making loud, absurd comments and flicking rubber bands at people. Despite this, however, he was fun to be around. With being around Avery and my new group of friends, life actually was more tolerable, and though my workload hadn't decreased, I was also stressed a lot of the time. Unfortunately, this didn't last long. It was a Friday, and after weeks of budging me, Lucas finally convinced me to throw a party at my house. I had never really thrown one before, but Lucas helped, and by the time we were finished, it wasn't half bad. Lucas got the alcohol since he had a fake ID, and once he brought it all to my house, I realized that I never asked how many people were going to show up. This is a ton of booze. How many people did you invite? I asked him, to which he shrugged nonchalantly. Don't know, a bit. But most of them probably won't show up, he said, his words careless and sure. I was also jittery and nervous about this entire prospect. Already having second thoughts, what if the cops showed up? What if the neighbors filed a noise complaint? Would that go on my permanent record? However, when I expressed these thoughts to Lucas, he punched me in the arm and told me to loosen up and live a little. God, this was a bad idea. Lucas went up to the kitchen and started setting up some sort of station, and I pulled out my phone to call someone. It only rang twice before they picked up. Ethan? Hey, Avery, where are you right now? I asked, leaning against a wall, trying to sound casual. I'm going to my last class of the day. What do you need? He replied, and I looked around the corner to make sure Lucas was still in the kitchen. Oh, I don't... I don't need anything. I was just calling to ask you a question. I was going to text, but then I decided I would call, since that would be better. And so that brings us to now. I said, cutting myself off in the middle of my ramble. God, what was wrong with me? Yeah, gotcha. What was that question? Avery replied, and I could hear the smile in his voice. I tried clearing my throat. Well, I'm sort of throwing a party tonight, and I was wondering if you wanted to come. It starts around 10, I said, leaning my head back against the wall. There was a short pause, which was enough time for me to start to become embarrassed. I mean, only if you want to. You don't have to. That was just... I started to stammer, but Avery's voice cut me off. No, sorry. I was just thinking. I'd love to come. See you at 10? 
he finally said, his voice soft and smiling. In that moment, I was immensely glad he couldn't see the idiot smile that came across my face. Ten. Yes, I'll see you later, I replied, deciding to hang up when I was still ahead. A few hours later, people started to arrive. A lot of people. Eventually, I stopped opening the door and just left it unlocked for people to come in. I had been to a few parties in high school, but nothing compared to this. I didn't really have the taste for alcohol, but Lucas had started following me around with red cups in his hand, telling me I needed to live a little more. After a while of this, I finally grabbed one from his hand and drained it just to shut him up. Admittedly, this was a pretty bad idea, but it was also coming up on 11, and there was no sign of Avery. I felt stupid and embarrassed, and not wanting to sort through my feelings right then. I decided to get another drink. More cups kept finding their way into my hands, until my vision was starting to get blurry, and the room developed a tilt. I hadn't done anything like this before. The entire night feeling like everything I was doing was an out-of-body experience. I just put my hands on the counter in the kitchen, ignoring the sticky spills of alcohol and overturned cartons of mixtures that I'd have to clean up later. I closed my eyes trying to get to the room to stop spinning when I felt the hand on my arm. Ethan? A soft voice asked. I didn't need to turn around to know who it was. I turned around anyway, being greeted by a tall, dark-haired figure with a sheepish expression. I glanced at the clock. 1.34am. Hey, I said, leaning against the counter and trying to get my vision to focus. I'm so, so sorry I'm late. I got caught up with something that needed to be dealt with. I'm sorry. He said quietly, putting his hands in his pocket. I looked at him for a moment before shaking my head and running a hand over my face. No, it's no problem really. You just needed to take care of whatever you needed to take care of, I said, slurring my last words. At this point, I didn't even care. Every looked like he was about to say something, but a sudden wave of nausea washed over me, making my eyes widen and for my hand to grip the counter behind me. Avery didn't miss this. He took my arm, quickly leading me to the bathroom, looking revealed to find it was empty. He got me in front of the wide basket sink, just in time. He stayed with me for a while, pushing the longer strands of my hair away, keeping a hand on my back. Finally, when there was nothing left in me to throw up, I sank to the floor leaning my head back against the tile wall next to Ivory. I can remember a time where I had felt worse. You don't have to stay, I mumbled, pushing a shaking hand through my hair. My entire body was shaking, a mixture of just having to throw up and what felt like my entire body constants in a rush of emotions that I had been ignoring all night. I know, Ivory said softly. Without another word, he moved closer, putting an arm around me and pulling me against his chest. I didn't move away. I was mad at Avery 
for making me feel like a little kid with an elementary school crush. I wanted to be mad, to allow myself stay mad, but the longer we sat like that together, the longer I knew I couldn't. I wanted him close. I wanted to keep feeling the comfort and protection that being around him made me feel. Avery? I said, my voice cracking slightly. Yeah, he replied, matching the soft tone that I had. Please don't go, I said softly. I didn't say anything else, because I didn't need to. The way that his arm tightened around me, the way he moved closer so that we were flush against each other, was the only answer I needed to know that he understood. We sat like that for a while, until the room stopped spinning and I finally started to feel more like myself, until I started to become more aware of my surroundings, aware of Avery's arm around me, aware of the ticking clock above the door, aware of the needing rush of exhaustion slowly creeping up on me. Sitting there against Avery, I let my eyes close, I let my body relax against his. I was tired of being the one who felt all these conflicting emotions, tired of being the one to prove himself to others. I was just tired in general. Eventually, I couldn't keep myself awake. At 3.34 AM, ever since I was a little kid, I always remembered falling asleep, even though we were places like airplanes. As the noise startled me out of sleep, I realized that this was the first time I hadn't. It took my brain a moment to register where I was. Sitting up, I realized that that was in my room, which meant someone had taken me there. Normally, I would have been freaking out, but I was oddly calm as my brain tried to walk through the most likely situation. I probably fell asleep on Avery downstairs, and he just brought me up here and made sure everyone was cleared out of the house. Sitting up, my mind still felt hazy, and I, at the beginning of a headache, but under the night, I was fine. I glanced at the clock, 3.34 AM. It was then, when I heard the breathing. I didn't have any pets, and it wasn't my breathing. Someone was in my room. My heart started to pick up speed as I sat up a little straighter and looked around. Careful to not make any noise, there was a figure laying down beside my bed on the floor. A tall figure with dark hair. I let out a sigh of relief. It was just Avery. My mind worked for a second to think of why he was still here when it hit me. I had asked him to not leave and he had taken that request seriously, along with probably making sure I didn't suffocate in my sleep or throwing up again. He was asleep, with his arm under his head, serving as a pillow. While I smiled at him, appreciation and admiration surging through me. I briefly wondered what woke me up, but that thought moved away from my mind as I realized suddenly that I was really quite thirsty, my throat feeling rough and dry. I suddenly moved out of bed so as not to disturb Ivory, still feeling slightly sick as I made my way onto the hallway. 
I had to turn around the corner downstairs when a violent bang came from the other end of the hallway, making me jump and turn. My breath seemed to catch in my throat when my eyes landed on the source of the noise. It was a yellow door. My heart hammered in my chest as my eyes were glued to it. And maybe I'm still drunk. Maybe it's a hallucination, I told myself. My feet started to move me towards it without thinking. As I got closer, I could see that it had originally been a bright red color, but looked like someone had painted all over it, messily, with a vibrant yellow paint. All of a sudden, the house felt very cold, very quiet, as if someone had sucked the life out of it. The stillness was disorienting. How could I have never seen this door? That was the only explanation. I must have missed it. I didn't hang around much. Maybe it was Ivory's idea of a prank, a joke. Catching me off guard when he had warned me about it when we first met. I was only a few feet away. I'll place my hand on the doorknob. What will happen when I opened it? A jump scare? Probably. Just get the joke over with, I told myself. I twisted the doorknob and pushed the door open, braced myself from some kind of practical scare. None came. Instead, on the other side of the door was a room. A nagging voice told me not to go in, but curiosity had overpowered logic today. I stepped through. Looking around, I saw I was back in my room. Confusion washed over me. It was impossible. Turning around, I could still see the hallway and my bedroom door. A real bedroom. I turned back to look at the room I was in. I looked at the clock. 3.34 a.m. Suddenly, there was yelling coming from behind me. I whipped around, seeing every at the other end of the hallway, running towards me, calling my name. Panic in his eyes and voice. A cold, high giggle erupted from out of nowhere as the door between us closed. Avery! Avery! I yelled, rushing to the door, rattling the doorknob. It wouldn't open. Ethan! I heard him yell from the other side. I'm coming! He yelled, pounding on the door as panic sighs in my chest. What was actually happening? A noise came from behind me. From the other side of the room. I turned around, my heart stopping in my chest. It was a tall, black figure. Its limbs were too long, too thin. A black, smeared face, with a white, painted mouth perched on the bed. It was grinning. I wanted to scream, but my voice was lodged in my throat. I could hear Avery banging on the door behind me. Suddenly, a voice came out of the thing. It was speaking, but its mouth wasn't moving. Curiosity may have killed the cat. More likely, the cat was just unlucky, or else curious to see what death was like. Having no cause to go on licking paws, or fathering litter on litter of kittens, predictably. The thing said, Moving closer, are you the cat? It asked, 
I didn't have a chance to answer before it suddenly came at me, its long limbs reaching for me. Its long, black hand grabbed my ankle, pulling me down. As soon as it touched me, a white light blinded my vision as I screamed. Pictures of things were rapidly flicking through my mind, none of which I recognized. A baseball field, a glass window, a blonde, a brunette, a river, a store. Picture after picture flipped through my mind as I feel the thing dragging me closer, its jaw becoming unhinged, opening wider and wider, too wide to be natural. Beyond me, I heard a door finally slam open like someone had broken it, but I hardly noticed. Yells, followed by a horrible screeching noise, filled the room as I felt hands on me, dragging me away. Gentle hands, human hands. The pictures finally stopped, as black started to fill my vision, and for the second time that night, I let myself fade out of consciousness. Avery and I don't talk much about what happened five years ago. We live in an apartment together, downtown, far away from my grandfather's house. Although the house was only half of the problem, I asked Avery many questions, most of which he tried to answer, but many others were left to my imagination. Sometimes, I have nightmares about that Friday night, but Avery's always there to wake me up, to remind me that I'm safe, that I'm okay. Sometimes, late at night, when I went to go get water, or the bathroom, I see the yellow door. I never go near it, instead retreating back to my room where I could be next to Avery, where I could wait it out until morning. After all, I didn't want to be the cat. Ethan? Theodore, Aiden. Hello. I once had this old job and decided to share it here. I was working at Central Mall in the UK. I was given a quite peculiar set of rules to follow. Here they are. Number one. If at any time you hear a loud screeching noise, do not go into the czar shop. If you do find yourself inside it when the screeching noise occurs, hide in the cloth racks or under the food shop counter. The entity only looks through the halls and not inside or behind anything. Number 2. If all the lights randomly start flickering, run into the security room and check the breaker. If any entity is inside the breaker box, exterminated using the knife you were given. If there is no entity, radio in to command. Number three, if you hear a knocking noise while inside the security room, turn off the lights, lock the door, and hide under the desk. When the knocking stops, the entity has lost interest. Number four, if you see any entity that looks like a child, do not look at it directly. Do not acknowledge it. If the child screams, then it knows you have noticed it. Number 5. At 12am, if you hear rumbling from the floor, go into the security room and check the cameras for the underground parking garage. If you see anything, turn off the camera and close off the area of the parking with the panel. Number 6. 
If the reception computer screen is white, then pull the power cord out of the socket and put it back after 3 seconds. And if it's yellow, you are in imminent danger. Hide in either Zara or G-Star Raw. If the light flashes green and white three times, you are safe. Number 7. If for any reason you need to leave the mall, whether that's feeling unwell, radio to command by repeating code uniform. Look at the camera feed and wait for a car with flashing lights. Go out of the doors and get in. It will take you to the security HQ and from there you can go home. Number 8. If the elevator into the Burberry store randomly starts to move on its own, run into the security room and watch the camera feed. Wait until the elevator starts moving again and shut off the power to it. This will trap the entity that causes the knocking on the door to be trapped for the rest of the night. If you take no action, nothing detrimental will happen to you, but it makes possible for the knocking to occur. Number 9. If any of the rules above are broken, you can choose to either try and run from the entity, kill it, let it kill you, or take the suicide pill. We will collect your body in the morning if the entity wins. If you survive, radio into command with the code, code echo, over and over again. When you see flashing lights outside, run out of the door and into the car slash van that meets you outside. You will be escorted into the security HQ and from there you can go home. You will receive coupons to free therapy sessions to deal with the trauma you will most likely encounter. I was slightly superstitious, but not too much. My first day started as normal, nothing unusual. I was sitting in the security room until I heard a loud screeching. I went out of the security room and saw something walking in the Zara store. Crap, I thought out loud. The thing looked over at me, and I leapt to the side so it would not see me. I looked into the Zara store and the thing was gone. I kept patrolling until I saw something that looked like a child. I flipped through the rules in my brain, but it was too late. The thing screamed. I started to run. The thing transformed to being seven foot tall and having arms that could crush a huge rock with its pinky. I radioed in, Code Echo, Code Echo, I yelled. Copy that. Help and root. Command replied. I kept running and eventually hid in one of the stores. The thing bumped past me and eventually disappeared. I figured it would be quite some time until the car came to pick me up, so I continued my normal duties but kept on the lookout for the thing. I was passing by Burberry and saw the elevator doors close. I ran to my security room and watched the cameras. When the elevator started moving again, I waited until it was in the middle of the elevator shaft and shut off the power to it. It abruptly stopped, and I heard slamming as if someone was trying to get out. I knew I was successful. I was chilling in the security room until I saw flashing lights outside. I knew the car was here. I ran outside into the car. So, what you got? He asked. The child-looking thing, I replied. 
Ah. Uh, it was really scary. It turned into a seven foot monster. You know, I was a security guard as well. Really? Why did you choose a job? I thought the same as you. The pay. Yep, the same as me. That was interesting, I thought. Alright, we're here, the driver said. I got out and thanked them. I went inside and clocked out. I got out the car to get home. I drove and at one point the street lights started flickering. What? I thought out loud. When I finally got home, I was beat. I just wanted to get home and sleep. I turned the key and when I entered and flipped the light switch, the lights flickered. I went to my breaker and checked if everything was in order. I went and opened it. Something was inside. Out of shock, I fell backwards and the thing leaped out at me. I managed to dodge it by a little bit. I took the chance and stood up and ran. I got into my car and drove far away. I had to find a hotel close to the mall because it's the only job that had decent pay and would accept my level of experience. The next night, when I came back, something was different. It was more eerie. When I was patrolling, I had a strong feeling of something following me, but when I turned back, nothing was there. But my feeling was confirmed when I saw the reception computer screen glowing yellow. I immediately ran into the Zara store and hid. When the lights flashed green and white, I came out, but as soon as I came out, the lights started flickering. I ran into the security room and checked the breaker. I exterminated the entity inside with the knife and then I heard the knocking. I ran and quickly did all the steps. When I went to hide, I saw a silhouette that looked like a child. I instantly looked away from there. Then I heard the rumbling. I listened for the knocking. It was gone. I stood up, avoiding to look in the direction of the silhouette. I checked the cameras and closed off that area. As I patrolled normally, it was time for my shift to end. Guard number 1352, the car's outside for you to be picked up to clock out. Yes, I thought out loud. I got in the car and got taken back to the security HQ. I got in my car and went to my hotel and went inside my room. I resoundly flopped over on the bed and slept soundly. Hi, I would like to share my creepy experience exploring abandoned buildings. Let's start with the most recent one I went to and the one that made me stop exploring like this. Me and two other friends were exploring an old prison. It was abandoned about five years before we came here. We were walking around with EMF directors and flashlights and one of my friends said he saw something in the hallway. We asked him to describe it and he said he saw an arm-like shape. And then we heard a very loud screech and something started running towards us. 
Our EMF detectors were going crazy, jumping to red. We all started sprinting away from there as fast as we could. All of our flashlights failed and the only way we could see was with our eyes adjusting to the dark and our proprioception. We kept running until we heard a loud clang and yell. What was that? yelled one of my friends. Ah, go! yelled one of my other friends. We kept running and kept looking for the exit. We heard screaming from behind us and although we were scared, we kept running. We eventually found a broken window. We could see now from the sunlight. We climbed out. I felt a sharp pain in my back but I didn't pay attention. I didn't want to die. When we ran out, we saw another person running. We recognized him instantly. It was our friend. He had a giant bruise on his forehead, but otherwise he was fine. Hey bro, I shouted. He started running towards us until when he got close to us. There was something off about him. He was not out of breath at all. He's not an athletic person. He'll break a sweat after a long walk. But there was nothing on his face. He wasn't breathing heavily. And then he started to run behind us, not next to us. He reached out his hand to try and grab us. He's possessed, I yelled. We eventually found the turn and quickly turned around. The friend that was chasing us slipped on the grass and we got to pin him down. Oh, I have an idea, my friend said. And then he punched him in the head. Oh, what? What happened? Yes, he's back, my friend and I cheered in unison. We then proceeded to explain the situation to him and how he got caught by the weird thing inside of the prison. Oh, I I remember now, he said. We were running, and then I bumped my head, and then I felt something grab me and bite me on the back, and then I think I passed out. Oh, so that's what happened. That thing got you and transformed you into its slave? Yeah, I think that's what happened. Anyway, what do we do now? What do you mean? I mean that we're stuck here with something trying to make us its slaves. We have no service. Ah. Uh, that's the end of that story. Even though my friend got back to being normal, I still decided to stop exploring in such a way. Okay guys, I appreciate you for listening to these stories. I hope you guys like this and will continue to strive for more. Well, quick note before I end this off. I just want to say thank you to everyone who contributed in this video, such as the Redditors down below in the description. Also, if this doesn't end up being an hour long, Eventually, I will post a video or an hour-long compilation of scary stories for you to listen to. Now, as always, I'll see you guys in the next story. So, don't forget to sit back, relax, and listen.